Welcome to the Aligned Women Podcast, a podcast to empower women in chiropractic to grow practices that work for their families. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton. And I'm Dr. Shauna Dingman. We're two moms who are navigating the journey of life and practice just like you. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Aligned Women podcast. We are so excited to be here with you today. This month, we're we're focusing on a theme of motherhood in our podcast topics. Um, this is kind of leading up to the month of May, even though these episodes are being released in April. And of course, in the US and Canada, Mother's Day happens in May. So we want to just take some time to to really focus in on what it's like to be a mom and a chiropractor, um, because that's one of the big themes here on our show. So on that note, let's welcome Dr. Shauna to today's episode. Um, Shauna, we've talked a lot before we started recording. Um, How about we share with our listeners a rating on the scale of zero to 10? How is your day today? My day is an eight. It's pretty awesome. I thought about this this morning as I was like mentally preparing for recording with you today. And I thought, okay, what would be my answer today? Um, I'm going to give it a nine. Ooh. Yeah. That's like an upgrade for me. <laughs> what makes it a nine? Why is it a nine? Uh, because everything is just good. Everything is good in life. I, we haven't talked about this specifically on the podcast, but my husband was let go from his full-time employment at the end of November. And it was kind of like a blessing in disguise, but also like, oh, wow, okay, what are we going to do? And the truth is that for the last, what has it been, Um, December? So it's been four months. Wow, I can't believe it's been that long. We're making it. He worked through basketball season. If you don't know, he's a official for high school and college basketball. Um, so he's really, really busy with basketball during the basketball season. And now that basketball season is over, we're like adjusting to this new, like a, another new way of life. And it's been so great. I told him yesterday, like I was just kind of like having a moment. I thought, whoa, like, this change is probably honestly saving our marriage. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, he like we're just communicating so much better than what we had of ever, like ever <laughs> in the past. And I feel like I mean, there's a lot of perceptions that I have about it that I could say, well, he's doing this differently, he's doing this differently. And I know that I have my role in it too, but I just feel like I can actually talk to him now without feeling afraid of what judgment he's going to cast on me or like, is it going to fly off the handle when I tell him I made this mistake? He's just so much more calm, so much more relaxed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I actually enjoy spending time with him so much more now. (laughs) I know it's a lot to share on the podcast, but, but it's just the reality of what's been happening that we haven't really talked about. So, well, that's real life. And to be honest, like I think about the relationship that he's going to be able to have with your kids because of this. So you guys have this change in your relationship, but I know he, I mean, he must spend so like exponentially more time with your kids. And I know from other friends whose 
husbands have either been packaged out or, uh, you know, they've lost their job or they've decided to make a move or start their own companies or whatever, where they have this period of time where their husbands aren't working and the change in the father-child relationship is so critical. Like it's such an important shift that happens. So I'm sure that that's the case with Ryan and the girls. It's amazing. But, you know, talking about marriage, excuse me, I think this is an important conversation because we get so wrapped up in doing the day-to-dayness of our life, right? Being moms, being chiropractors, being wives, and just kind of, we're always moving from one thing to the next, and we're always adding in new things. And, you know, you and I were talking about before, there's almost always a feeling of running to catch up. And I think we don't have the presence of mind to really realize what our husbands go through on a day-to-day basis. You know, if Ryan is that much more easygoing, he must have been carrying just a lot of stress and a lot of burden before in the job that he had that now isn't there. And I'm sure that that's the case for most of our husbands. They carry, they carry burdens that we either can't realize or just we just don't have the time in the busyness of our lives with everything that's going on to stop and realize. And so having something like that where you can really appreciate the man's role and what they shoulder on a day-to-day basis, it's a big deal. Yeah, there's also the, the factor that he worked in an aluminum manufacturing facility and he was there for two and a half years. And although the aluminum was not being injected into his body, I also had pretty strong concerns about how it might be affecting his health. Mm. And it's just been kind of interesting to me to watch over the last few weeks um, in particular, like, hmm, I wonder, like, honestly, he looks younger, he looks healthier. And I'm like, I wonder how much that aluminum exposure every day was affecting his health overall. Um, he gained weight while he worked there, you know, and now like, I, I don't know what he weighs. I have no idea. I, but I just look at him and I'm like, you look like you're aging in reverse. <laughs> I told him that a few days ago and he was like, really? <laughs> he was super excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's really been a, a learning experience for sure. It's something that I don't know will be forever. Um, I'm open to whatever unfolds before us. And I keep, I keep telling him like, just because, before you were fired from your job, I was really like wanting to get to a point financially where you could leave your job. Um, doesn't mean that you have to not go back to full-time work. If you, if you want to, please do. And he's just kind of in a place right now of like, I don't know, this is a whole new way of living for him. So he's trying it on and just kind of seeing how he feels about it for the long term too. He's, he's really good about, like it's a strength of his to be able to see the long game. Whereas I am like more focused on the short term perspective of things. And so for him, like the outlook is different for me. I tend to get more caught up in like the immediate survival mode and he can see like the longer term picture of things. So it's a good balance for us overall. But um, I, I know like it may take a long time for him to really know what he wants to do. Does he want to be a stay-at-home dad? Does he want to only focus on his officiating career um, or something different? So we'll see. But isn't it nice that he has the freedom to be able to do that now? Because he certainly didn't before. Well, you know, I wonder, like, 
<clears throat> I wonder if he did before and we just didn't realize it because we, we, we have multiple streams of income that come into our family, right? Like my work aligned women, we have investments. Like it's not just one thing that we're relying on. It would be a much different picture if that was the case. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I look back at it and I'm like, well, you know, it's a de- definitely a shift in perspective when suddenly you don't have that full-time job anymore Mm-hmm. then you figure out how to make it work. But we just didn't look at it that way before. Well, it's great that you're able to now. And I see a shift in you from even a month ago in your ability to kind of relax into it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Good. All right. We have prepping for after your baby is born today in our month of just motherhood, our motherhood podcast. Yes. Great topic. Exciting. Yes. I, I really, I like when I think about prepping for a baby and how it affects work, my, my big thing is that before I had a baby, no one could tell me, trust me, people try to tell me how it was going to, like how much it was going to change, how I felt about work or just life in general. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I really thought that I would just be happy to get right back into work because I was focused on my career and I love work and why would I not want to do that? I was completely unaware of the emotional changes and even the physical changes too, that would affect how I felt about doing the work that we do as chiropractors. But honestly, any job (laughs) that I would have had would have been affected by these things. So, you know, from having multiple kids, um, every every additional child that you add changes the whole thing too. You know, you can think, okay, one down, I've been through it. I know what to expect. It's different when you add in a second and then it's different again when you add in third or, you know, or more. I only have three kids, but I know that one to two wasn't so bad, but two to three, I felt was, it was to me, it was like an exponential change. Yes. um, And I think I, I can't imagine for, you know, for somebody like, Casey Hovest, who has six kids, for example, I can't even imagine what that's like, but I just know that if I had a fourth child, some things I would know what to expect and then other things I wouldn't. So, so let's, why don't we talk about physical changes? You've already alluded to that. This is a big one, especially in a job that we do, which is physical in nature. So what are things, what are some recommendations that you have, Danielle, after having gone through it, to prepare our bodies in advance for the change that's going to happen or to help recovery after. Oh, wow. Well, I think that, you know, being able to exercise throughout your pregnancy would be ideal. That didn't work for me um, because I have a connective tissue disorder. I feel like I'm going to fall apart by the time I get to the third trimester. And um, despite how much I exercised before babies, it was really hard for me to continue throughout my entire pregnancy. And I really tried with my first pregnancy. Um, but that aside, I think like continuing to be active throughout your pregnancy allows for you to recover more quickly after your pregnancy, mm-hmm. not necessarily recover from birth or birth trauma, but from just like the time that you're maybe not in your physical peak per se. Um, but for me, I really think just being aware of what the postpartum, especially the fourth trimester phase is like. And so many women in chiropractic are planning to just go back to work in two, three, four weeks after they have a baby. 
if you can do it, awesome. But if you're nursing, you might be leaking a lot and that can be really awkward. (laughs) Um, For me, like I can't do, I can't, I could do anterior thoracic adjustments, but it's really, really uncomfortable for me when I'm nursing a newborn because my breasts are so tender. I don't want anyone or anything to touch them or any pressure against them. These are just the things that we don't think about or that you can't really anticipate until you're there and you're like, whoa, uh, <laughs> no one told me about this. Um, if I you I, go ahead, if you have tearing or if you have a cesarean and you have an incision, it can be really uncomfortable to adjust after that change to your body. Um, like if you've had any change to your pelvic floor tone, <laughs> adjusting can be adjusting can have a, a big effect on that. And that's again, something that we don't often talk about, but I, but when I get into one-to-one conversations with women, they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm having some pelvic floor issues when I adjust. I'm noticing some bulging. Can you possibly have a baby and not have changes <laughs> right. in your pelvic floor? And, you know, I'll tell you my, so my youngest is 11. So I'm, you know, 11 years later, my first one was born 19 and a half years ago. I have to work at my pelvic floor every single day. If I want to have, you know, a good strong core, not have that chronic nagging, I call it the mom low back pain, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's true. Like I would never jump on a trampoline. I could jump, you know, maybe five, six times. And then after that, I'm like, okay, kids, time for mom to get off the trampoline. Like, that's just the way it is. So, and pelvic floor, it is a big, big deal. So that's something that we can work on during our pregnancy. But I'll just tell you right now, that is going to be something that you need to either subscribe to a program, um, you know, do some research yourself, but you're going to have to create a pelvic floor routine for yourself pretty much for the rest of your life. If you don't want to end up like one of your patients who has, you know, bladder incontinence and prolapse uterus and all those kinds of things, your pelvic floor will never be the same again. And that's okay. You just have to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. I found my SI joints too. Um, they gave me a lot of trouble during my pregnancies, not so much during my first more so during my second, but in my third, man, I felt like I had to get adjusted almost every single day just to keep my SI joints from aching and from that feeling of like they're they're just chronically out. Um, Things like a pelvic belt, like an SI belt are helpful. And looking back, I wish that I had used one after I had my babies because I think that process of, you know, the relaxing kind of seeping back out and our spinal joints, and, well, all the joints of our body kind of settling back into pattern. I had a lot of SI joint irritation for quite a while, especially after my third and not just with adjusting, um, just, you know, doing stuff around the house, bending down to change the garbage or bending down to change my babies or whatever. So being aware of that and not being afraid to use help. So like I said, you know, using an SI support belt or something like that, um, you know, anything that you can do to help support you while your body is readjusting. You know, one of the other things too, right? We talk about how your feet get bigger with pregnancy. Which they don't oh, mine get, so have. It's right? terrible. They, they don't get bigger. They just flatten out. So yes, I recommend to all my patients, as soon as they tell me that they're pregnant and we should do this as chiropractors, we have a standing job, just grab a set of, um, I don't, they're, 
We, in Canada, they're called Superfeet. They're better than like a Dr. Scholl's buy it at the drugstore type of orthotic, but they're not necessarily a custom fit orthotic that are, you know, hundreds of dollars. Um, it's a company that creates these orthotics. They're great support. So I tell all my pregnant patients, go get a set of Superfeet because it'll help support those ligaments in your feet and wear them until you're at least six months postpartum. So that's another thing too, just taking care of your feet. Yep. My feet went from a size 10 to sometimes now a size 12, which I, I don't know in Canada if that's the same, like if we use the same measurement in shoes, but that's like yep. from really big to gigantic. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so um, just being aware that all of these things are going to happen is a big deal. I think too, you know, realizing that every day is a different day. So while you're pregnant, you could feel great for months and then all of a sudden wake up one day and feel like you have hit the wall and, and you just have to go with it. So putting things in place that allow you to honor what's going on in your body, where if you need more rest, if you need to cut back your hours, you've either got someone who can come in and, you know, step in and help take some of the overflow or just realizing that your patients will understand if you have to change your hours because you simply can't function in the hours that you have or doing the job that you have, it's okay. And so just mentally preparing yourself that every day is a new day, whether or after the baby, you never know what you're going to get. But being able to, to say, I need this in order to be a great mom, in order to be all the things that I need to be, and being okay with that is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that leads then into the next topic, which is the emotional changes that we experience when we have a new baby. And I was completely unprepared for that as well, not just the physical changes, but like how much, actually looking back on it with my first baby, I, I think that what I was feeling would classify as postpartum anxiety because I felt intensely afraid to leave her, even though I also desperately needed some time off, you know, just some time off from mothering essentially when she was a newborn. Um, I remember one day my husband like forcing me to leave the house and just go to target by myself. And I, the whole time I was gone, I felt like someone had severed a limb. And if I didn't hurry up and get back to it quickly enough, it would never reattach. You know, it was just like this overwhelming feeling of intense anxiety, which I didn't have the, I don't know, I guess I didn't have the understanding at that time that that wasn't normal or healthy. And the people in my life didn't necessarily see or understand how intense it was for me. Cause I, I don't think I really expressed it. Um, like my, I saw my mom most days of the week and then obviously my husband too, I think they just thought that I was crazy. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But I really think that they just thought like, yeah, that's Danielle's personality. She's really intense. She takes things really seriously, you know, and now she's just learning how to do that as a mom. Okay. So going back, how would you do that differently? If, if you knew somebody else, one of our listeners was going to go through the same thing, how do you safeguard against that? Or how do you act on it? I don't know that we can safeguard against it, but acting on it would be like it, more clearly expressing to someone, I'm really struggling with how intense my feelings are. I'm really struggling with how intense the anxiety I feel is. Mm. 
I didn't say that to anybody. In fact, I didn't really acknowledge it until like maybe last year. Yeah. I wonder if giving those people permission to, to speak it to us, you know, if it's possible that maybe Ryan or your mom, they saw it was happening, but they thought, if I say anything, Danielle's going to freak. So giving them permission ahead of time, where if you see something like this happening, I want you to be able to talk to me about it. I want you to be able to say something. You know, that actually reminds me when I had Jackson, my oldest. Um, so I had him in chiropractic college. And honestly, my whole postpartum time was a bit of a, it was chaos. Um and I, I really struggled with breastfeeding. And, you know, no wonder, right? Like I'm up all day in school, in clinic with a newborn, and I'm up all night nursing and studying and everything else. So my my milk supply, I, I really struggled with it. And for the first three weeks, I mean, he was just miserable. He cried all the time and I'd feed him and he'd be happy. And 20 minutes later, he'd start crying again. And I remember being out, I had driven out to my mom and dad's place. So back home again. I have no idea why. I just know that I was there. And I remember feeding Jackson and then walking around. We had a big property out there at that time with a big driveway that had a huge circular drive. And I remember walking around and around and around the circular for about an hour and a half with him in the stroller because it was the only way that I could keep him sleeping after he nursed. And I came in and my mom said, okay, listen, listen something's got to change. Like you can't continue to do this. And she said, I have an idea, but I didn't think you would be open to it. And I said, Oh, what is it? She said, well, what would you think about trying formula? It had never even occurred to me. I was like, booyah, go ahead. Like, where do I, where do I go to get it? And go <laughs> get it. Like you just keep walking. I'll go get it. She got it. She set me up. She bought bottles. She bought everything. She came home. She sterilized the bottles. She got the whole thing set up. We fed him a bottle of formula and it was the first time he seemed happy in, to me, what seemed like since the baby's birth. And she said, oh, I feel badly. I didn't say anything about this sooner, but she said, I know how you feel about nursing and I know how you feel about, you know, breast only. And she said, I just didn't want to say anything. I thought you would think that I was telling you that you weren't good enough. Mm -hmm. I said, are you kidding me? Like, I just did not have the wherewithal to even come up with the idea. I was so happy. I was so happy that my baby was finally happy and settled and I fell asleep. <laughs> I had like the longest sleep after because I was exhausted. So, you know, she didn't say anything because she was afraid of how I would take it. But I wonder how many of our loved ones don't say anything to us because they just, know, you know, they kind of, I'm putting air quotes here, they know how we get. So mm-hmm. give them permission ahead of time to tell us, listen, if you're concerned, I want you to know you can come to me and I can't promise I won't freak out, but I want you to help. Well, that's kind of the thing though, right? It's that we need people in our lives who are able to say the hard things to us, even if we do freak out Yeah, and to not take that freak out personally. Yeah. I was thinking too, when we're talking about emotionally, um, it took me, gosh, like probably 25 or 30 years of having periods before I really understood that some of the emotional strife I feel in my relationships are actually just PMS. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think of all the relationships I've probably wrecked over the years by being needy and upset and having these like, we have to talk kind of conversations where the guy goes, oh, kill me now, you know, and then realizing after, oh, no, everything's fine. Um, You know, and I, I realize now when I have those feelings, it's just 
I don't mean to say it's just, but it's just my hormones and it's not really like, it's not really a problem. And I think we we have to remember that our hormones are going to be in such a crazy state of chaos before and after we have babies (laughs) that it just, that it affects our relationships. It just does. Yes. I also remember feeling pretty certain that Ryan hated me after we had Allison, our our first baby together, (laughs) because like, I think it was just coming down from the the postpartum or the pregnancy hormones. I was still in the hospital recovering. And I just remember bawling my eyes out thinking like, I can't believe you're so unsupportive. (laughs) And I don't even know what I anticipated or expected that he would be doing that he wasn't doing at that time. I just felt that crazy crash that happens. And yeah, it was intense. And then, and then basically we went home and then like the anxiety started after that. Um, So, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's normal to a certain extent for us to feel anxiety or um, sadness, even about being separated from our babies, if that's what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I believe that we were, we were designed to be with them and, um, and to be near them for, you know, the first year, maybe two years of their life. But the, the society that we've created where women are in the workplace and we have careers too, isn't necessarily in alignment with that anymore. So whether, whether or not you want to be with your child or not may not be something that you know until after your baby is born. But I really wanted to go back to work. And I also felt really sad and really anxious about leaving the baby at the same time. It got a little bit easier for me with each one, but it's still like, I don't know. It's still a thing. It's still a thing. Even when you know, like they're going to be okay. (laughs) They'll be okay. It'll be okay. You still have the feelings. And so I think that's probably our last big point to bring up is you really don't know what it's going to be like. And one of the best things that you can do for prepping for the birth of a baby is to get as many ducks in order as you possibly can, as far as your resource, your resources. So, you know, having, figuring out who would you trust to, to sit with your baby for a couple of hours while you went and got your hair cut. And maybe it's only your mom or your mother-in-law or, you know, a best friend or something like that. So who could potentially look after the baby so that you can go out and just, you know, walk through target by yourself for an hour or something like that. Who are you going to need, you know, who can help with some of the household stuff? Like a cleaning lady, this is maybe a great time to, to put something like that in place where even if they just came once or twice after the baby's born, someone who can come and tidy the house up, clean it up, throw a couple of loads of laundry in. Is it a neighborhood kid? You know, maybe there's a really responsible high school or college age kid that you could pay two, three hours a week, right? You're talking like, maybe to have somebody come in and make some snacks or throw a bunch of loads of laundry and do the dishes in the sink, like just whatever you need so that you're not doing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Having some kind of a schedule ahead of time, or at least a conversation with your husband or your partner around how are the nighttime feedings going to work? And especially if you want to go back to work as women, I think we always have this propensity to protect our husbands, right? He's got to go to work and work a full day. So therefore I'm going to get up and I'm going to do all the nighttime stuff. And it just doesn't work like that. And I really think that dads 
they want to have some of the nighttime duty so that they have that bonding time too with the baby. So just opening up those conversations, but being able to say, I can't do it all. I, I don't want to do it all. So let's figure out how we can split this up a little bit. But the whole nighttime feeding thing, is a, it's a big deal. What else can you think of that people can learn to kind of outsource a little bit beforehand, Danielle? Well, I think that the the note of like delegating things to to your partner, perhaps if there is one at home with you, is it's an important thing. I know for myself, each baby that we've had, I have brunted all the nighttime wakings and feedings, and um, well, okay with a couple of exceptions. When Allison was about six months old, she was still waking up really frequently. And I was like, I was working at Logan at the time. Um, my coworkers were concerned because I was like so spacey from the lack of sleep. And I had gone from her sleeping through the night when she was like eight weeks old, when I went back to work to like, whoa, this is like a big change in her sleep. And they could tell that it was really affecting me. They were really concerned. And that's when I said, you know what? I really need at least two nights. Can you wake up with her two nights? And I think that happened for about one week, (laughs) like a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. And then after that, she was like, if I'm going to get dad, forget it. I'm done. Um, so it was, it was eye opening to me. Like it was that easy. Why didn't I do that sooner? If that was all that it was going to take, I don't know if it would have been different if she was a little bit younger or not. Um, and then with Aria, she's now, um, what, 14 months old. I mean, I did all the night wakings with her. And then of course, as we've just shared with you for the last four months, I, well, truthfully, Ryan doesn't get home from basketball through basketball season until like nine 30 or 10 PM. So I was still doing all the night waking up with her. And after the basketball season ended, I was like, this is my opportunity. <laughs> this is my chance. I, I thought it's time to night wean this baby. I, obviously need more sleep. It's really affecting me. It's hard for me to get up in the morning and just get our day going and have a solid block of time with Allison, our eight-year-old on her homeschool curriculum. So it's not just affecting me, it's affecting everybody else too. And at the end of basketball season, I was like, "Um, I'm just going to sleep upstairs and you can have a baby for the night. And they slept for the night. And I was like, well, shoot, if it was that easy, I would have done this sooner. So let's try that again tomorrow night. And then it was just kind of like one night after the next night. And then before I knew it, it was like 10 nights. And we had had one really bad night out of those 10 nights. And that night was, I had slept in the room (laughs) with them. But um, now it's been, I don't know, it's getting close to three weeks, I guess. And I'm sleeping in our bedroom again, which is wonderful. Our bed is super comfy and I love it. And she's sleeping through the night for the most part. Um, but I feel like that, that simple thing was really hard for me to do, but it yet has been so, so helpful for me to have more solid sleep, like actually sleeping for longer than just two or three hours at a time has made a huge difference for me. Um, so, you know, I don't want to like put that on my husband cause I know how hard that is to do. And I, I've avoided asking for anyone else to do that because I know how hard it is to not get enough sleep. And yet when I've been doing it now for what, um, eight years, I guess it's like, it's the accumulative effect is no longer. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And now that we know from brain scans, just how devastating the effect of lack of sleep is on our brains. 
it's a big deal. You know, I think, I think the thread that keeps coming back through all this conversation we're having and all these things is we have to be okay with expressing what we need, right? With uh, there's so much guilt and anxiety and shoulds and comparing and I don't know, like lots of just negative things around trying to shoulder it all ourselves. And in order to really prep yourself for the birth of another one, I would say one of the best things you can do is just begin to voice what it is that you need. Honor yourself, express your opinion, uh, ask for the things that you need, express concern around, I'm not sure how this is going to work, but I want to be able to do this. And then whenever you're, you're not getting something, to be able to talk about it and ask for what you do need. And sometimes it's you just being able to say to yourself, and like you said, I am tired of night feedings. I can't do this anymore. I'm not functioning properly. I need something different. And then go for it without the feelings of the guilt and trying to think for our husbands or, mm-hmm. um, you know, just not wanting to bother people, those kinds of things. Yep. So when I had Alice and I was working at Logan and I had a cesarean, so I had eight weeks off. I would have had six weeks if I had had a vaginal delivery. Um, when I went back to work, it was like the most mind boggling puzzle to put together of how in the world do I get to work on time and make sure that my baby is fed and make sure that I have all the parts for the pump and all the things that she needs are packed and, and all of it, just putting it all together. It was like, this is something that I had not anticipated for sure. And we did this for several, several months where it was like, on Monday mornings, we would have a meeting in my department at six o'clock in the morning, <laughs> which already was like super early for me. And I would oftentimes just roll in. I mean, you've seen me wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's not pretty. I would just kind of roll in and like my sweats and my hoodie with my hair and a ponytail and maybe a hat on to cover up my bedhead. And then I'd go back home and shower and get dressed for the day and like actually then come to work for the day, um, which my boss was okay with because he knew that, um, like I was not a morning person. He was asking a lot of me to be there at six o'clock in the morning, but then being at work at six o'clock in the morning with a newborn was like, Oh, like what? So there were times that I would get up at three o'clock. I would nurse her. I would go take a shower. I would nurse her again. Then I would pump and then I would get dressed. Like all the time I've been doing all this stuff not dressed so that I'm not leaking on my clothes or I'm not getting spit up on my clothes. And then I would drive to my mom's house and drop her off at like five o'clock in the morning and then drive to work. And, and I finally just thought, you know what, this is not okay. Like this is not working. My mom is not a morning person either. And it's really hard on her to be up that early and like start the day with a baby. And then I'm just like running ragged for the rest of the day. And this is, this was a moment for me of like, having to inconvenience everybody else. And is that okay? And I really shouldn't, I should be able to do my job the same way I did it before I was a mom. (laughs) Right. And I finally, after several months said, I can't like, I can't do this six o'clock thing anymore. I'm either not going to be here and you're going to do the meeting without me, or we're going to change it to a different time. Yeah. What would you choose? I said this to my boss (laughs) and, and he just looked at me like, I've trained you well, because one of the things he, he would teach us, like there were many 
little sayings and phrases that he had that were like life lessons that he wanted us to implement into our work was I cut you too. So like, I'm, here's a decision. You can either have it this way or this way. Which one would you prefer? Um, like we need to do this with our patients too, sometimes where um, someone has really acute dis- symptoms and we can't start care until we have a clearer picture of what's going on with their spine. We could do x-rays now or we could not. And I can refer you to this other place that will then also probably require x-rays of your spine. Um, so anyway, the story is that I, I finally decided that I had to say this. I had to like stand up for myself essentially and say, I can't do this anymore. This is not working. But then it kind of snowballed for me from there. I was like, you know what, actually this whole, this whole thing is not working anymore. Like I, I feel this pressure intrinsically and maybe even externally to do my job the way that I used to do it before I was a mom. And I don't want to do the nights anymore. I don't want to do the weekends anymore. I loved traveling with sports teams before she was born and I couldn't do that anymore. I wasn't willing to. And so eventually I decided mm-hmm. that it was time to, to open my own practice, but it was, it was such a hard process and it was such a slow process of recognizing that it was okay, that things were not how I thought that they were going to be after becoming a mom. They were not how I thought they were going to be at all in a lot of ways. My body wasn't the same. My feelings about work weren't the same and just letting it be okay was it was so hard, but it was so necessary to be able to move forward in a healthy way. I guess that's the bottom line too, is you will never be the same again. And it's the same with every child that comes in. You're never the same after your second as you were before the first or after the first. Every child changes who you are. You are not ever going to be the same again. And so we have to be okay with recognizing that we have to create a new normal in our lives. And that's just, that's just how it goes. And it's good. It's, it's all good. And so taking the time to process it and figure out, you know, not hang on to what worked before and just be able to let it go and say, okay, new normal, let's figure it out from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So let's give a call to action of some kind to wrap up this episode. Um, You know, I suppose that the big thing is um, to have a support system. And that might mean that there's some specific support that you need to line up at home or maybe even in your practice before you start your family. Or if you're anticipating the arrival of a baby soon, that you start working on those things now. Um, A way that we can offer support to you is through our free Facebook group. And it's a really wonderful community. It's growing quickly right now. Um, if you're on Facebook and you haven't joined it yet, you can find it at alignedwomen.com forward slash Facebook. I created a new URL, so it's a little bit shorter. If you go to alignedwomen.com forward slash Facebook, then you can request to join our free Facebook group there. And it's called Mama Chiropractors. If you listen to the podcast, I'm sure you've heard us talk about it a million times. But it's it really the most amazing women in the world in that Facebook group. I mean, they're supportive. We've all been through it. So it's a great place for you to throw questions out or just express what's going on and see what comes back to you. Yeah, we've done a really amazing job of creating a community 
that is open and open-minded, open-hearted, non-judgmental. I mean, kind, kind, yes. Yeah. Kind like women on the internet. I think that that comes from a lot of us working with other moms in our practices and just knowing that we can't, we can't hold them to a certain standard or, you know, make them feel like they weren't good enough if they didn't have the perfect home birth and breastfeed their baby that we are all experiencing those things. We're all experiencing those things and everyone's journey is unique. And I think that that in and of itself plays a role in why our chiropractic community is not like others. It's um, so much more, yes, kind. (laughs) Kind is a good word for it. So if you're not part of the Mama Chiropractors Facebook group, go to alignedwoman.com forward slash Facebook right now and just request to join. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast or you listen every now and then, but you don't subscribe and get your podcast episodes delivered to your inbox weekly, I'm going to suggest that you hit the subscribe button and you never miss an episode because we talk about this kind of stuff all the time. Right. And don't you wish you had this resource when you were becoming a mom and a chiropractor? Good golly. I say that all the time. This just didn't exist 20 years ago. And I think my, my motherhood and my practice would have been very, very, well, I know it would have been very different with, with it. So yeah. Awesome. Let's wrap up. Okay, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to catch us next week for another episode about um, the motherhood transition in practice. And we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today on the Aligned Women podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, we would love for you to head on over to iTunes and hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join the community of amazing women doctors in our free private Facebook group, Mama Chiropractors, by going to alignedwomen.com slash mama chiropractors. And if you'd love to fast track your success in life and practice, subscribe to the waitlist for the Aligned Women team group coaching membership by going to alignedwomen.com forward slash join. Have an amazing day and we look forward to seeing you next time on the Aligned Women podcast. Mm-hmm.